this morning we're looking at the great part. God's great. God's good. Let us thank him. Let us thank him for everything. God is so great. He's so good. He's so generous. And uh, I'll just be honest with you. The Lord kind of messed up my message. Uh, so we got these cards. Most of you should have one of these. You should have one there by you or in your seat. I want to read the scriptures on the back of this card. Because this was going to outline uh, the majority of my message uh, this morning. But the Lord does what he oftentimes does with me. He messes up my message. He comes in and he rearranges it. And uh, he wants me to, to move my time allotment to certain places and give me different emphasis. So even though I had these beautiful little carts made and I had some little bracelets made and some, some t-shirts made, had all this stuff made, uh, how many of y'all know he's not as interested in our t-shirts? He's really more interested in what's going on in the t-shirt. He's not as interested in our bracelets and our cute little programs. Uh, he knows who's going to be here and he knows what people need and what they need to hear. So he's more interested in me saying what needs to be said from him. So I'll just rearrange all of it just so what, what needs to be said will get said by him. But I do want to read some of these because they're, 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 they're awesome. And while I was studying, you know, in your Bible there's 66 books, uh, 1,187 chapters and about 32,000 verses. You know, that's a lot of verses. In your, in your Bible, and they all declare, they all speak at the, of, of the goodness of God, the glory of God. The Bible says that, that if the rocks don't, uh, that if we don't praise him, then the rocks will cry out. That he holds the span of the universe in his hands. He measures out the oceans in jars. The earth is the Lord's footstool and the fullness thereof. He told Adam where all the gold is. He knows everything. He's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, all-encompassing. And, and he's everywhere at the same time. He is our all in all. And he's greater than everything. He knows everything, and, and there's not enough time in the day. And whenever I was studying on just how great God is, it didn't take me long to figure out we'll be here for the next five years expounding upon the greatness of God. There's just too many verses. There's too many, too many things that he did, uh, you know, from Genesis to Revelation, just the greatness of God and all of the things that he helps us to overcome. Whether it's, whether it's serpents or whether it's fiery furnaces or whether it's lion's den or whether it's bad dictators with Moses and Pharaoh or just in chaos. Whenever in the beginning the earth was void and form and gross darkness covered the face of the deep and God stepped out and he said light be boom and out of chaos came order he's greater than everything. He told Job he said where were you whenever I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you whenever I set out its plumb lines? I love that. So where were you whenever I was measuring the depths of the ocean and outlying creation? Where were you at? You know, Job was kind of complaining a little bit. How many of you ever complained before? Yeah. <laughs> He's kind of complaining. He says, where were you at, knucklehead? Where were you at whenever I was doing everything that I was doing? He said, I knew you before you ever formed in your mother's womb. I think more thoughts about you than all the sands of the earth. The hairs on your head are numbered by me. He is great. I'm telling you, we could spend the whole message, right? The, the whole rest of the, of the millennia just expounding upon the greatness of God. The Bible says that, that he's high and lifted up and his train fills the temple. And that angels... 24 hours a day, even though there is no time in heaven. 
They, they constantly go around the throne of God saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. And every time they go around, they see something different about God than they saw the time that they went around Him before. That he's, he's indescribable. He's inimaginable. The Bible says that He's exceeding abundantly above anything we could ever ask, think, hope, or imagine. I mean, He is great and greatly to be praised. Great is thy faithfulness. Our God is great. He, he, he's awesome. But, but, but the Lord messed up my message. But he didn't mess it up. He made it just right. Because I just thought, well, we just talk about how great God is. But God wants to talk about how great he is in you. And how great you are. That, that God's got some things designed for you, some things planned for you. But I still want to read some of these scriptures because they're just awesome, right? And they just, they, they speak of his goodness. And it's kind of the gospel in a nutshell. You know, with 31,000 scriptures in the Bible, but, but there's, some, there's some particular scriptures that really speak of, of, of all of the gospel in a nutshell. How many of you know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? How many of you know that kind of culminates Everything that he did and why he did it. Well, there's a few of those on here. The very last scripture on here. I just love this one's Revelations 1.18. It says, I am the ever living one. Living in and beyond all space and time. Love that. I died, but see, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of absolute control and victory. Glory to God. Put that on a bumper sticker. Get me a t-shirt made with that on it. Come on, I serve the one that has absolute control and victory over what? Over death, hell. One translation says death, hell, and the grave. That's who he is. But that's not just who he is. If you look at, uh, let's, let's read the third one down. The third one down says, greater love hath no man than that he laid down his life for his friends. So as great as he is, he was willing to lay it all down. For what? For, for me and you. Greater love hath no man. Than that he laid down his life for his friend. And then the second one it says you dear children. You're from God and you've overcome them. Because the one that's in you is greater. Everybody say greater. greater. So it's not just that he's, he's, he's conquered everything. But he laid down his life for you. And now he's moved in you. Greater is he that's in you. Than he that is in the world. And then the top one. Oh, okay we'll read the fourth one. I'm going to end up reading all of them. I don't plan on reading all of them. But they're all so good. I can't help it. And you're here. So. And I have the microphone. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10, it, ver- it says, For the Lord your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords. He is the great God. He is mighty and awesome God. Look at this. But he shows no partiality, and he cannot be bribed. Everybody's on an equal playing field, no matter if you're a preacher or if you're a peasant. It doesn't matter. It, it, he shows no partiality, and you can't buy your way in. It's just his goodness. It's just the way that he is. But then the first one up there, and this, is, this was going to be the crux of my message, and still is a little bit, but it says that he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. So Christianity is not just a prayer you say at the end of a message. Right? Christianity is not just a prayer you ask Jesus in your heart, and forgive me my sins, all that stuff. No, that's really salvation. Christianity is when you say, I must become less and less, and he must become greater greater every day whenever I wake up it's not about me becoming greater and greater it's about him becoming greater and greater it's about me becoming lesser and lesser and I mean I know that nobody's perfect in that I mess up uh, in this just as, as as do you but Christianity is just saying God you're greater every day God you're greater you're greater and, and I must become lesser and lesser 
So that was part of my message. That was the cliff notes. But now I'm going to give you the other part, the real part that the Lord wanted me to give you. And it kind of centers around, how many of y'all saw that bomb that got dropped a couple days ago? How many of y'all want one of those? I, give, I want six. <laughs> I'll take six of them. Uh, put, I brought a picture of it. Look at that sucker. Moab. Y'all know what it stands for? Mother of all bombs. <laughs> I just love it. Every time I say it, it cracks me up. It's like, what are y'all doing today? Today we're dropping the mother of all bombs. And then you do an evil laugh whenever you do it. But look, they all signed it. I wish I could read what they signed it before they dropped that thing. 22,000 pounds, 30 feet long. It's got a blast radius of a mile. One mile blast radius. It gets six, six feet above ground and then it detonates because they don't want the energy to go into the earth. They want the energy to go out for a mile. Square mile, one square mile. The mother of all bomb. I watched them. I've watched it like 10 times because I like to watch it. Uh, and they, you see the black and white. And then they'll actually show it. It gets dropped out of a, a C-130. Yeah, C-130. Coming down the stretch. Here it comes. And then they, they, it has its own parachute. It has its own pallet. And then it lets go. And then it's, it's globally positioned. Not just falling aimlessly. It's globally positioned. It has a designed target a real destination and where it's going as it showed before it detonated there was a whole system or a whole network of underground tunnels underground caves things that, that couldn't be seen from the from the sky that they weren't but they were known they had done some reconnaissance and they had found out that that these terrorist networks they had built and you know it takes years to build these things they're not bringing in heavy equipment. You're talking about shovels. If you know anything about World War II and, and Hitler and, and his intricate system that was built with shovels. Our own army takes shovels and goes in and deal, digs these trenches and these tunnels. And, and if you know about the Viet Cong, they would build these intricate systems all underground that's not seen. But that, that would give them inroads into, into the place that they're trying to evade. Well, what this, the mother of all bombs did is it just fell on that system. That the mother of all bombs that they dropped, they weren't really even dropping it on people. They knew that there was a system that the enemy was using as an inroad into people's lives to, to, to do harm. And really what we celebrate on, on Easter is, is, is God dropping the mother of all bombs. Right On resurrection, that's really what he did. But, but he, he's dropping it on a system. How many of know the King of Kings? How many of know the Lord of Lords? How many of know the God of all gods? On resurrection, whenever he dropped, he dropped a bomb on resurrection. And what, what he dropped or what happened on resurrection Sunday is what it fell on was the system that the enemy uses as inroads into our life. And it takes years and years. He'll develop strategies and schemes against you, against your marriage. Against I could tell you, boy, he is not glad that I'm here right now. And he spent years trying to keep me from standing on any platform and anywhere. He did everything possible. Just years and years. But how many of y'all know in just one moment what the enemy strategized for years to bring death and destruction in just one moment, everything changed. And the Bible says that, 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 that if, the, if the devil would have known 
that, that he was killing the Prince of Peace. If he would have known that Jesus was going to be raised from the dead, he says he never would have done it. Why? Because what was being attacked was his system. That all of the inroads that he uses to come in and influence us with depression and oppression and anxiety and addiction and temptation and all of the things that he uses to bind us, all the things he uses to distract us, all the materialism and the technology to get us to the right and to the left, all of that on, on Resurrection Sunday, God dropped the mother of all bombs. Boom! Destroying a system. Not just raising a man from the dead, but totally the greatest display of power in the history of the universe was not Hiroshima. It's not, it's not some mother of all bombs getting drafted, uh, dropped in Afghanistan. The greatest display of power that, 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 that the universes have ever known is when Christ raised Jesus from the dead, the whole earth. Shook. Why? Because that mother of all bombs, it went not just, it, it went to the heart of the problem. The Bible says the unseen is more real than the seen because the seen is made by the unseen. Everything that you could see is temporary, but everything that you can't see is eternal. And what you can see was made by the unseen. And what God did on, Re on, on Easter, on Resurrection Sunday, is he went to the heart and he exploded that whole system that, that, that the enemy uses as inroads into our life. So God's great, God, God's awesome, and he's amazing, and we could spend hours talking about the greatness of God, but I want you to know that, that, that he didn't drop a bomb for him, he dropped it for you. How many of y'all think Jesus was doing all right before he came down here? Come on, he didn't come down here to help him, he came down here to help you. He was doing, he was in heaven, right? He was doing all right. The Bible says he was seated at the right hand of God. He didn't leave where he left and come down here to go to Golgotha and the place of the skull and to be... Hit with the cat of nine tails, 39 times minus one, to go into the heart of the earth and defeat every principality and power, spiritual wickedness in high places. He didn't, go in, he didn't go through all of that to help him out. He was doing great. He went through all of that to help you out. He went through everything so, so that whenever that display of power, the earth shook and the veil from the temple was rent in two, and now we have access to God, that display of power, man, he is great. And greatly to be praised. But God, he didn't, just, he didn't just do that for him. He did that for you. And I believe God, God wants this Easter to be different for, for people here. I believe the Lord changed my whole message. Because, I mean, I've been through some Easter services before. I'm entering my fourth decade. My fourth decade of Easter services. I'm about to turn 40. That's a lot of Easter services. Been to a lot of them. A lot of them. Most of us have been through a lot of Easter services. And I don't believe the Lord wants this just to be another one. So I'm going to show you a couple of passages of Scripture which are different. They're different passages of Scripture. And, and there will be parts of it that you've probably heard before, but there will be parts of it. Because most of the time we stop reading too soon. How many of you read your Bible and you start reading too soon? We like to read through the juicy parts and then we close it up. And that's our Devo for the day. I did my Devo. You did your Devo. But sometimes you need to keep reading a little bit. See, see some things a little bit beyond what you're used to seeing. So the, the first passage I want to show you is in Numbers chapter 21. I'm not going to keep you long, so you can go to your crawfish bowl. Numbers chapter 21, and it's a story of the, the God's people. 
God's people, they're on their way to somewhere. They have a destination that they're trying to get to, but they started to complain and they started to wonder if God was real, if God was watching out for them, if God was caring for them. And they start complaining a little bit about God and complaining a little bit about their leaders. And all of us have been there before. All of us have been at points in our life where we think we're kind of going somewhere, but then we're kind of wondering, you know, where's God in all this? And is God really this? Is God really that? But then all of a sudden, uh, the Bible says that serpents, fiery serpents, Snakes. How many of y'all like snakes? Anybody like snakes? I had about four people the first service. Y'all know y'all the second service. We had a bunch of people in here the first service. Paul, you like snakes? Okay, okay, okay. Anybody else? We just had two people, maybe a couple people. Ashley, you like snakes? Didn't see that coming. Didn't, didn't see that coming. I used to have a snake uh, in high school. My mom's here somewhere. Yeah, yeah, there she is. I had a snake, and his name was Snake. <laughs> His name was Snake, and he was a red-tailed boa, and I bought him without her knowing, because if she knew, then, of course, Mom, could I have brought him home? No way. I couldn't have brought him home, so, but I just showed up with him. So if you ever want to buy something that your parents you have permission for, just go get it. Just, <laughs> just kidding. You heard it here first from the preacher. Just go, go get what you want. Just kidding. So I had this snake, and I would secretly, I would carry it everywhere. I'd carry it to church, and I'd bring it to school and stuff, because he would just sit in my jacket right there, and nobody knew that he was there. So I, I like snakes. You know, snakes, snakes didn't bother me a whole bunch. But most people, traditionally, they don't like snakes. And in this passage of Scripture, these people, they're wondering, and they're questioning about God. And so these snakes come into the camp. It's like a plague of snakes. And the Bible says that the snakes bit the people. That the snakes would, would bite them and the poison of the snakes. The Bible says that many of them died. Many of them died. And so they begin to cry out. And they said, what are we going to do about these snakes? So the Lord told Moses. So he said, Moses, he says, I want you to take a pole and I want you to cast. I want you to build a bronze serpent. I want you to make a bronze snake. And I want you to put it on the pole. And whenever you raise that pole up, it has a bronze serpent on it. If the people will look at that serpent while they're, the Amplified says, it says whenever they have a steady, absorbing, expectant gaze upon that bronze serpent, then the poison from the snakes won't have any effect on them. So God gave them a strategy to deal with their problem. God had a plan. God had a mother of all bombs to drop. To deal with the snakes. I mean, I think God still knows how to drop some bombs. To deal with some problems in your life. If you'll inquire of him, he'll show you. He'll give you a strategy how to deal with things. And it's not always maybe something that, that seems real normal. Come on, it's not real normal to fight snakes with, with metal snakes. But, you know, Moses was smart enough and had been around God long enough that you don't ask a whole lot of questions. You just do what he says because he's highly intelligent. And sometimes he wants to see. He'll test your obedience. So Moses, he takes this rod. He makes a bronze serpent, puts it on the pole, and he holds it up in the air. And those that had a steady, absorbing, expectant gaze as they looked upon the serpent, then the poison from the snakes would have no effect on them. And of course, this points us to the cross, right? Because everybody in here has been bitten by life, right? You get bitten by tragedy. You get bitten by betrayal. You get bitten by divorce. You get bitten by bankruptcy. You get bitten by cancer. You get bitten by a wayward teenager or an unfaithful spouse. The life bites. I mean, I know. Jesus said, listen, in this life, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. 
because I've overcome the world. But, but in life, you're going to have things bite you. You're going to have things come up from you, whether you were complaining about it or however the snakes got in, snakes get in. And whenever the snakes come, they will attack you. They will bite you. And there is repercussions. There is poison there. Right? And one of the, the repercussions is, is death. And the Bible says that many of them died. Well, in the New Testament, we know that this is pointing us. The serpent on the, on the pole is really foreshadowing Jesus on the tree. That Jesus became the serpent for us. He became a snake for us. He took sin for us. He was lifted up upon a tree. And whenever we look at him with a steady, absorbing, expectant gaze, the poison of life or the poison of these serpents that has bit us, either oppression, depression, addiction, whatever, whatever it is, whatever's bitten you, if you can keep a steady, absorbent, expectant gaze upon the sacrifice that's upon the pole, upon the tree, then you can live. In other words, the, the blood of the lamb is greater than the poison of the snake. Right? And God foreshadowed. God's showing us this. In the Old Testament, he's trying to teach them. He's trying to show them. Listen, in life, you're going to be bitten. There's going to be some poison. But I have... A Moab. Right? I have something that can mess up the system or the schemes. I have, I have a way for you to make it through. And that's the typical Easter message. Most people, they come to Easter and they hear about the man that hung up on a tree to take away the poison of life, to take away the sting of death, and to keep you from having eternal damnation in hell. You get to have eternal life in heaven. How many of y'all heard that story before? I've heard it 40 times. Right, And you've probably heard it no less than a couple yourself. So what makes this message is a little bit different is we're going to finish reading the story. Because I believe God wants, God wants today to be different for you. God doesn't want you to just go through another message. How many of y'all know uh, we don't need just another Easter message? We don't. We don't, we don't need to stop at salvation. We, we really don't. There has to be at some point where we don't stop at salvation and we move into Christianity and we move into discipleship and we move into us becoming lesser and lesser and him becoming greater and greater because the church right now is full of posers. How many of y'all remember what a poser is? How many of y'all remember back in the 80s? I was a poser. Uh, I wanted to be a skateboarder. So I got the skateboarder hair. How many of y'all remember the skateboarder hair and you did like... And you did like that, and you had the, the clam digger pants, and you, and, you, and you would even have the skate shoes. But whenever you got outside on your stupid little ramp, everybody in the world knew you weren't a skateboarder. Didn't matter what kind of clothes you had on. Your clam diggers got holes in them because <laughs> you keep falling, and you're all scabby. <laughs> Just like, it's like, you're not a skateboarder. You have a skateboard. You're not a skateboarder. You have a skateboard. Big difference in having a skateboard haircut and really being a skateboarder. Right? Let's put you on a half pipe. We'll see if you can skate. Right? Let's see if you can drop into the swimming pool. It's like, I ain't going near a swimming pool. It's like, my ramp's like this high. It's like, it's like, that was my level, and I would still fall. It's like, no, I'm not a skateboarder. Come on, how many of y'all know we, we, we as the church, the church of the living God, the body of Christ, at some point, we're, we're going to have to move beyond salvation and move into greater, him being greater. So I want to finish the story here because I want you to see that, that if you look in verse number nine, verse number nine, 
Numbers chapter 21, it says, So Moses made a bronze serpent. He put it on a pole. And so it was that if a a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. That's where most people stop the story. Because the rest of it seems uneventful and not very interesting. But what I want you to see, and what I feel like the Lord's highlighting today for you and I for Easter, is verse number 10. It says, Now the children of Israel moved on. Everybody say, moved on. In other words, they weren't satisfied to just not have the venom affecting their bodies. They decided, I need to move on. They don't want to stay with the snakes any longer. I, was, I, I told the first service, and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I wish I had a bunch of snakes to throw in here. <laughs> I wish. Oh, my God. I wish I had like this little, like a, <laughs> a little person that could be up there in the rafters that would just throw out a bunch of snakes. I bet y'all would move on. I mean, I think you'd move on. I guarantee you, you and your pretty Easter dress, you would be clawing and biting and scraping. Oh, my God. There would be chairs. There would be carnage. It would be awesome. It would be the mother of all bombs just landed right here in the midst. It's like, they didn't need to drop a 22,000-pound bomb. Just drop a bunch of snakes in there. Let's see what happens. Because people just, they just scatter. Right? They just scatter. If I threw a bunch of snakes in here, you would move on. And yet, how many times do we take the blood of the lamb that's greater than the poison of the snakes, and yet we still live with the snakes? We never move on. We've heard 40 Easter messages, and yet we're, we've, we've gotten the salvation. Thank God for that. We're going to heaven. Thank God for that. But at some point, we need to move on. At some point, we as Christians, we need to move on. We need to move our families on. We need to move our kids on. We need to move our cities and our nation. We need to be moving on. Because they just stand there and look at the cross. Thank God for the cross. But they didn't just stay there and look at the snakes. They didn't just stay there and revel in the fact that the, that the blood of the lamb has, has undone the, the, the poison of the snakes. No, they moved on. Watch it. It says the children of Israel. Put verse 10 up there. It says the children of Israel moved on. They camped in Oboth, and then they journeyed from Oboth to camp at Ejerabim. And then the wilderness, which is east of, look at that, Moab. Isn't that funny? The Lord's so funny. He cracked me up. Whenever I read that, I was like, you turkey. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. You're so funny. You're so funny, Jesus. It says, so they journeyed. They went from one place to another place. Then they went to a wilderness. I mean, I know sometimes you need some wilderness training. So when I started serving the Lord, bad things happen. You'll, be, you'll get over it. You'll be all right. You're in the wilderness. But you'll move on from there too. Just keep stinking moving. You'll move on. If you ever watched Born Identity. Have you ever watched Born Identity? Have you ever watched Jason Bourne? You learn a lot from Jason Bourne. It's good Christian stuff in there. <laughs> Jason Bourne tell you, he says, if you stop moving, you're dead. Some of y'all don't have no idea who Jason Bourne is. It's a movie. If you stop moving, you're dead. You've got to keep moving. Keep moving. It's not staying in one place. You've got to keep moving. So they went from Obed, and then they went to the next place. They went to the wilderness, which is east of Moab, towards what? I love that. He brought them out of the snakes into the sunrise. Most people just stand there and look at the cross, and they just keep getting bit, and they just keep they get bit. They look at the cross. They get bit. They look at the cross. They get bit. They look at the cross. At some point, quit thinking getting bit. Move. Get out of the stinking snakes. 
So what if there's a wilderness? There's a sunrise on the other side of it. Just keep stinking moving. Don't settle. My pastor always told me that there was pioneer settlers and museum keepers. Pioneers were always advancing into new territory. Settlers, they just settled. And then museum keepers are always dusting off the, mis- the, 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 the memories of the past. Remember when God did that way back then? I got news for you. He's got bombs today. He's still got bombs. There's still mother of all bombs. He's still the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and the God of all gods. And he still knows how to mess up the strategies and schemes and the plans and the inroads of the enemy. He still knows how to drop some bombs. He knows how. If we'll keep moving, move through the wilderness, through the sunrise. Watch this, though. They keep going. It says, it says from there they moved, they moved again, and they camped in the valley of Sarid. And from there they moved and camped. On the other side of Arnon, which is in the wilderness that extends to the border of the Amorites. For the Arnon is the border of Moab, between Moab and the Amorites. Therefore it is said in the book of wars of the Lord, Warhab and Sufa, and the books of Arnon. He may not have all this. Uh, the slopes of the brooks that reaches to the dwelling of Ar that lies on the worst. What I want you to see is they just kept going forward. They, they, they didn't just settle. They didn't stop. They, they kept going. Watch verse 15. And it says, and then they went to beer. Not the beer you're thinking about. Uh, now it's getting good. <laughs> I was hoping you'd bring us the beer. <laughs> not exactly. I don't think that's exactly not the high life that we're thinking about. Uh, it says, they went to beer, which is the well. <laughs> oh, he's funny. Which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, gather the people together and I'll give them water. I love that. He brings them through the wilderness, through the sunrise. Now he brings them to a well. I believe God don't want you to just live amongst the snakes. He wants you to bring you to a place of refreshing. He wants to change some scenery in your life, show you some things that you haven't seen before, have some sun rise upon some things that have been in the valley of the shadow of death too long. Come on, you've been in the valley too long. You need to get, if you get out of the valley, you'll see the sun. It'll come over the top of those mountains. He'll bring you to a land, bring you to a place of refreshing. And then the next verse, it says, and they gave up and they sang this song. Gave them a song. Spring up, oh well. How many remember that song? Spring up, oh well, in my soul. Spring up, oh well. Where'd that come from? Right here. From a people that are moving. People that are going somewhere. They're not just settling at an Easter message. But they're saying, I'm ready. I'm ready. I need, I need to get going. I need to move on. Listen, you're, you're, the message for you today is God is great. God is good. Move on. He is great. No doubt he's great. We could spend the next millennia talking about how great he is. And no doubt he's good. He's still working with me. I've, I've challenged all of his goodness. And yet I'm still here. Because his mercies, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Come on, every day I wake up to new mercies. Every day I wake up to a brand new set. How many of y'all know I need a new set every day? Why does he have new mercies every morning? Because we run out every day. Right? We run out. But thank God he gives us new ones every day. Great is thy faithfulness. God is great. God is good. Move on. The last one I want to give you, I felt like the Lord wanted me to give you, was in Ezekiel chapter 37. Another unusual passage of scripture that we've heard many times. If you've been in church any, any number of times, you've probably heard about this somewhere, maybe seen it on a bumper sticker or something like that. But, but God brings Ezekiel and he sets him down in a valley of dry bones. Very unusual. Now we've gone from snakes, which nobody likes, to a valley of dry skeletons. A valley, dry bones, valley of skeletons. Skeletons, 
in, in, in Ezekiel's closet. How many of y'all got any? Don't raise your hand. How many of y'all, don't, don't raise your hand, but, but most of us, there are some skeletons in the old closet, right? He brings Ezekiel and he sets him down in the middle of these dry, lifeless, powdery bones. And he asks him, he says, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, very smart, he says, only you know, God. If the Lord ever asks you anything, just say, only you know. <laughs> it's a good answer for, for the Lord. Only you know. Uh, he just, he says, only you know, God. So God tells him, he says, prophesy to the bones. Speak to the bones. Command life in the bones. So Ezekiel says, I did as I commanded. And he said, I, he said first I heard a noise. He says, and then I heard a rattling and he says, and then the bones came together. It's kind of freaky, huh? It's kind of weird. Pirates of the Caribbean like type stuff. Like just kind of like you see this shuffling of these bones coming together. And then he says, and then sinew attaches the bones to each other. So now they're not all disjointed all over the place. Now it's actually skeleton people. And he says, and then flesh comes up over the bones. And then he says, and then skin covers the bones. But then the last, the last sentence of that verse, which is so interesting, he says, but they had no life in them. They had no life in them. Most of us have had some type of experience with God where some things kind of moved around a little bit. Things started coming together with you and Jesus. I was a little shaking. Thing, things coming together, you know. Came to church two or three times. Some things kind of moving around and things that, that looked hopeless or looked, looked dead. Now he's put some skin on them. Put some flesh on them. And, and there, there was a moving there. But, but there was no life in it. And uh, I don't believe that's where we should stop, right? I don't, I don't think that's where we should stop. So the Lord, so, so, so they're, they're laying there. Really weird. So now you've got all these bodies that are laying there. And, and Ezekiel, the Lord told Ezekiel, he says, speak to them again. Prophesy to them again. And call breath into them. I, one of the things I can't wait to get to heaven to do is just see some of this stuff. I believe he's going to show us how, how all of this stuff transpired. So he says, I did as I was commanded and I called to the four winds of the spirit. And I commanded them to come in to these beings. I love that. And now watch this verse, verse number 10. It says, so I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath came into them. And they lived. And they stood up on their feet. And they were an exceeding what? Great what? Army. They were an exceeding great army. So he said, he says, Ezekiel, I'm not satisfied with them just coming in contact with, with, with a part of me. So if they don't have any life in them. And if they aren't walking upright. I mean, I know the Lord wants us to walk upright. Come on, the Lord doesn't want us to stay low level. The Lord says to come out from among them, look different, act different. Come on, the message of Easter today is, is move on. Not, not to just lay there and, and have all of, the, all of your, your fingers and your toes and your muscles and, and all of that stuff, but, but not have any life in you. The, the message today is to stand up, to walk upright, live upright, think upright, and become an army. But they still weren't done, which is crazy because you think, okay, well, that's the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. That's where we always stop reading. But if you keep reading, he says, now prophesy to them again. 
Speak to them again. Because even though they're an army, if they aren't moving, they're pointless. Come on, an immobile army is not really an army. It's really not. If you aren't marching, if you aren't going anywhere, if you're not doing anything, even with the breath of God in you, even if you had an experience with God, even though you've looked at the cross and you've received salvation, if you aren't moving, if you aren't marching, then you really aren't making any headway. You're stuck with the bones, right? Or you're stuck with the snakes. At some point, God says, I want, I want you to move. So he says, speak to them again. Call them again. And then this is the last verse, last one that I'll give you. He says, verse number 13. No, I'm sorry. Verse number 14. He speaks to him again. And he says, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will place you in your own land. And then you will know. Then you will know. I mean, I believe God wants us to get to the point to where we really know some things. Then you'll know. He says, I'll make it to where there'll be a point to where you won't have to wonder. Where's God? How's God? What God? This. He says, no, no, no. If you won't stop at the first speaking, if you won't stop at the second one, he says, I'll actually bring you to a land. I believe God, got, God has a land for you. I believe he has something for you. He has an assignment for you. He has, he has something for you to possess. He has, he has something that's divine beyond just what everybody else has. Just beyond the mundane and beyond mediocrity. But he says the only way that you'll know that is, is if you don't stop. He says, I'll place you in your own land. Then you will know that I'm the Lord. I've spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Then you'll know. It's possible. Come on, I don't want to go through another 40 Easter's having not found my land. I don't want to go through another 40 Easter's dragging snakes behind me. I don't want to go through a four, another 40 Easter's having to, to, to look at a bunch of dry bones that I can't seem to come out of the valley of the shadow of death. Come on, I mean, the, the idea is not to live in the valley. The idea is not to live with the snakes. The idea is to have a steady, absorbing gaze on the cross as you march out, as you cross the Jordan as you move over into that thing that he has for you. That place that he has for you. So the message of the cross is across this, the message that we all know, right? And it's the, the regular Easter message. But, but this one's different. Because most of us have come in contact with that. This is more about it's time to move on. God is great. God is good. It's time to move on. Time to move on up to the sky. Right? There you go. To the deluxe apartment in the sky. I mean, I remember that song. We're moving on up to the top. We finally get a piece of the what? Of the pie. I don't know the words. You know what is it? Fish don't fry in the kitchen. That's right. Come on now, y'all sing it. Oh, now we have in church. There you go now. In the big leagues, we have church now. Oh, George Jefferson! I love him. Maybe I used to love the Jeffersons. Come on, I believe it's time to move up. 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 God says, "Come up higher." Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. 
Come on, there is a moving. There's a moving. There's an advancement. There's a, there's a, there's a settling and there's a museum. But I believe, I believe God wants us to be pioneers. I believe that, that, that our nation needs some pioneers. I believe the church, this church needs pioneers. People that, that aren't settling. That say, we've we got to go forward. We've got to leave the snakes behind. Got to leave the bones behind. It's time to go forward. Let me pray.